Holy heck, what a weekend of news that was. I know. I still haven't come down from that All Blacks game, eh? I, no. I actually I couldn't watch the final moments. I had to, I had to go into the <laughs> kitchen and do the dishes. I was just spontaneously kind of pulling off yoga poses. I don't, I've never done yoga before. It's just what the body needed to do. The good news, though, of course, is we get to do it all over again next weekend with the AB's take on Argentina, and we could still be talking about the election this time next week too, with loads of loose ends. Still to tidy up. Oh, gosh, I'm exhausted. It's a cup of tea and a lie-down time, I think. No, no, my friend, no lie-down for you. We have so much to get through. There is no time for banter. Banter can wait till Tuesday. Without further ado, kia ora. This is Newsable. I'm Jess. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. National Enact will be talking today about forming a government, but special votes could throw that all up in the air. How did two newcomers unseat some of the biggest names in Māori politics? And it wasn't a bad night for the Greens either. We talked to Chloe Swalbrick about their best result in a decade. We also chat about our new PM. We get an update on the economy. And, hey, we'll see how things went across the ditch in their referendum as well. I have no idea how we're going to fit all that in, but we have all of that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. As things stand, it's looking at the moment as if National and Act can govern alone, but a fifth of votes, that's a fifth, have been cast as specials, and they're yet to be counted. Riding the crest of the blue wave, Chris Luxon has talked of strategy meetings being called late Sunday afternoon, and his campaign manager, Chris Bishop, talked about the mandate for change that's been given to National, but wouldn't talk details of any coalition. There's many ways to run in terms of forming up the government and the coalition negotiations. Um, you know, we've got our uh, clear sense of priorities and, and um, David Seymour and the ACT Party have got their own as well. And, um, you know, we'll, we will meet um, in the coming days and weeks, and, um, but there'll be uh, discussions. I'm not going to get ahead of them. ACT's leader, David Seymour, says a bit of planning will probably start, but a lot is still unknown. Chris and I and our respective teams will talk tentatively about how it would work but if you're a Democrat then you have to respect every single person's vote um, and of course there's about half a million people whose votes you know, are still sealed up and haven't actually been counted yet so um, we, have to, we have to go through the proper process there. New Zealand First has been very clear that it'll wait for the official results at the start of November before any sort of discussions but Shane Jones says they will crack into work straight away. As soon as the uh, caucus can get to Wellington, the better, and um, those those matters are already in hand. Um, there's not going to be any opportunity for um, mischief makers to blame either our leader or our caucus for either protracting or um, disturbing the orderly transition to a new regime. But everyone needs to accept that the special votes will have an influence and they need to be counted. Labor's campaign manager Megan Woods says the reality of the election results is that many friends and colleagues have lost their jobs, MPs and staff. But she says Chris Hipkins isn't on the leaving list. That's not a scenario that's on the table. But of course, Chippy has the full support of our caucus. I think people respect um, he came into this job nine months ago. Um, incredibly difficult time for anyone to come in and he's done a fantastic job leading, leading us through. 
Based on Saturday night's result, of course, National and Act have the exact number of seats needed to govern, but it's still another couple of weeks before the special votes are counted, which could see parties lose or gain a seat, and there's still a by-election in Port Waikato to come after the death of Act's candidate for that seat. Now, we're telling you this because, depending on how those special votes fall and how that by-election goes, National could end up needing Winston Peters and New Zealand First to secure a majority in Parliament. So here to talk us through what it's like to negotiate with Winston Peters is someone who is very familiar with doing so. Neil Jones was Jacinda Ardern's Chief of Staff during the 2017 campaign and was on her negotiation team following that election result. Now he cannot get into the nitty gritty but he is with us now to give us a bit of an overview. Kia ora. Kia ora. Neil, first and foremost... What should we? What should we all be expecting here in terms of timing? How long will these negotiations take? Should it get to that? Well, the first thing is before the negotiations even start, it's likely that Winston Peters will want to wait for the official results to come in. That's on November 3rd. And National and Act probably need to as well. They haven't said yet what their timeline is, but I imagine if they're going to have to talk to Winston Peters, they can't really create their own coalition agreement in advance. So, it looks like, given how close the result is in terms of National Act being able to govern alone, and given the uncertainties around the Port Waikato by-election, around the specials, which the special votes traditionally give one or two seats from the right to the left, and potentially with the Māori Party, what how many seats they win might change the overhang, I think we're probably not even going to start until November 3rd, and then probably about two weeks of negotiations if uh, last time's any guide. Yeah, so a month. So probably a month. I'd say mid-November. I'd say mid-November <laughs> is a short way of saying it. Neil, you mentioned overhang seats just before. For those who might not be familiar, can you explain what that means for the shape of Parliament? Sure. So As simply as you can. <laughs> so, so, t- so typically New Zealand's Parliament has 120 seats. The seats you win are determined by a percentage of party votes you win. So if you win 25% of the party votes, you get 25% of the seats. Now, it gets difficult. If you win more seats, more electorate seats, than your party vote entitles you to, then you get those seats anyway. You don't lose the seats. So, for example... To Party Māori won four seats on the provisional votes. Mm. Their party vote does not entitle them to four seats, so they get additional seats beyond what they've been entitled to, which is called an overhang. And that makes Parliament less proportional than it would otherwise be. Can you paint us a little bit of a picture about once those specials came in and once you knew what you were dealing with, what the vibe was like with between Labour and Winston Peters and everything else that was going on? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously Labour was very stoked when those specials came in meant that there was a bit more of a buffer because previously Winston Peters, there would be a one-seat majority for a Labour Green New Zealand First Government. So once we had those extra seats, Labour was very happy. Got into chats with New Zealand First. Look, it was very professional. It wasn't overly effusive, but he was a very professional, very polite. And one thing about him is he needs to be treated with respect. You know, he's whatever you think of his politics, people have different views. He's been a statesman of 40 years. And so Labour treated him with respect and he treated Labour likewise. Yeah, it wasn't a giant party where we're all best mates, but it was a, it was a very polite, friendly negotiation. But there was a certain tenseness to it that you might not see this time. In 2017, Winston Peters was negotiating with both Labour and National, which meant mm. there was always a risk that at any moment he could pull the plug. National's not going to have that level of tension this time because he's got nowhere else to go. Neil Jones, thank you so much for letting us pick your brain on this one. Appreciate it. Hey, remember, if you've got something to say, and it has been a big weekend for things to talk about, please do get in touch with us. We love 
to hear your thoughts. You can find us on TikTok or Insta. Search for Newsable NZ and slide into the old DMs. And hey, if social media is not for you, you can go old school and send us an email. It's newsable at stuff.co.nz. There is still so much to unpack and potentially still so much more to come in terms of this election result. Oh boy, yes. If you're overwhelmed by it all, don't worry, you are not alone. And if there's still stuff you want to understand, well, you're in luck because Stuff's chief political correspondent, Tova O'Brien, is here to cut it all. Tova, thank you. Kia ora, guys. Kia ora. Happy um, election boxing day after. <laughs> happy? <laughs> happy? <laughs> is it happy? It's well, for political reporters, I think so, because um, we kind of get a continuation of the campaign. For mm. for the public, I think they were just very, very grateful to be able to cast their minds to rugby immediately after the election and just tune out all politics. But unfortunately, we're going to see um, quite a bit more horse trading and political squabbling to come yet. Indeed, the- the head of the horse trading is Christopher Luxon, our new Prime Minister. Now, he's been a star of the business world. We know know him from his time at the, as the CEO of Air New Zealand. He's a first-term MP2 Prime Minister, but a coalition of ACT and Winston Peters. I mean, that's been described as dealing with snakes in a sack. How was he going to go as Prime Minister of the country, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it is his first rodeo, as Winston Peters <laughs> would say. And there's uh, so the rubber's going to hit the road for Christopher Luxon big time. In fact, if you'd asked me this time a year ago whether he was ready to be Prime Minister, I would have said, hell no. Every time he used to come on our show, back when I had a radio breakfast show, he would make policy up on the hoof, get things wrong, um, be all over the shop and was kind of overcorrecting and trying to be too many things to too many different people. But I think what you've seen over the course of the year, what we've seen over the campaign is Chris Luxon just kind of emerged from his chrysalis into a political butterfly and he slayed on the campaign. His campaign game was so strong. Yes, he'll have the, the kind of political now, now perhaps, but going into those coalition negotiations, as you say, well, it's snakes in a sack, 100% accurate. That's going to be his first real test. We're still in limbo in a lot of ways with these special votes, Tova. A fifth of the final vote, I think, are these special ones that we don't know until another two weeks. November the 3rd is the date that everyone keeps going on about. How important could those be? Yeah, huge. The National Party and Act, as we saw over the course of election night, they started with this whopping great majority, I think five seats in it, um, when the votes started coming in. So those early votes really were going in the right's favour. And then as the night wore on, that majority whittled down to this precious one seat that they're clinging on to power with the special votes tend to skew left. So National usually loses a seat last election in that big red tide they lost two seats, which could squander their majority. Then you've got a few other variables as well, Port Waikato, that by-election probably going Nationals' way, but also the overhang. So there's still everything to play for here. The fact that a fifth, one one in five votes have not yet been counted says so much, doesn't it? So I think this election, I mean, every election is extraordinary, but the special votes this election could be particularly special given how delicate that majority is. So, Tova O'Brien, Stuff's Chief Political Correspondent, thank you so much for your time. I dare say we'll be talking to you again fairly shortly as we see how this plays out. I cannot wait. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You'll also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, 
Subscribe to The Long Read from Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. One of the biggest surprises of election night was in the Māori seats, where some of the biggest names in the Māori caucus were beaten by newcomers. Nanaya Mahuta, the longest-serving female MP in Parliament, was beaten by 21-year-old Hannah Rafiti Maipi Clark, the youngest MP in 170 years. Meanwhile, in Titai Tonga in the South Island, Pakuta Ferris beat out Reno Tenakatane. Joining us to chat over this some more is commentator Mani Dunlop. Kia ora, Mani. Welcome to Newsable. Tēnā kōrua, utira tēnā tātou. What is behind this wave of support for Te Pāti Māori? What has been going on in those Māori seats where previously Labour has been so strong? This is quite indicative of a generational shift and change for Māori. So you have to remember the Rāgatahi vote for Māori is huge and the median age of Māori is tw- around 26. I also think on the other hand, if you, could, if you want to be a little bit harsher um, towards the Labour Party, this was the biggest Māori caucus in our history. And what did they do for Māori? Yep, there were some wins there, the Māori Health Authority. But when you have that mandate in order to be able to make that transformational change for Māori, can we see, can they see the change enough within their electorates within their homes. Did Labour do that? Did the Labour Māori caucus do it for them? And for some, they probably didn't. Mani, throughout this uh, term in Parliament we've just seen, Debbie Nariwapeka and Rawari Waititi, the Te Pāti Māori co-leaders, copped quite a bit of flack for not being in Parliament as often as other MPs. Their response was that they have been on the ground campaigning and they've been running their grassroots campaigns for the last three years. Does this result prove them right? There's always been criticisms of, of Māori MPs um, <laughs> over the years of, you know, that that exact criticism. But but we do see, you know, Parikura Hurumia, um, he was always on the ground, kanohi kitia, as we say, that is key mm. for Māori. Uh, and Rawari, you can see that in the margin in which he has won his seat by. We're looking at almost 12,000 and that's likely to widen after the special votes. Do you think there is any chance of any type of agreement between a national act government and Te Pāti Māori. Chris Luxon ruled that out, right? He fundamentally ruled out working with the Māori Party. Uh, and so that would be a huge betrayal for him to go back on his word if he does that. I mean, the Māori Party have always said they've never ruled anything out. The condition is and the caveat is that whoever they partner with or whoever they have an arrangement with has a treaty-centric approach to Aotearoa. There's not much treaty-centric about what Luxon and his coalition government is potentially proposing. Marty Dunlop, thank you so much for your kōrero here on Usable. It's awesome to get your insight. Kia ora Unpacking the economy and the future of climate change action under this likely government is next. But remember, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It could mean we reach some new listeners. And we love everyone here. More the merrier. We know cost of living was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, issue for voters this election. So what does this result mean for the economy going forward? Well, here to answer that question is Infometrics Chief Executive and Economist Brad Olson. Let's get straight to unpacking. Is this the result the economy wanted and needed? 
Well, given how intense the cost of living pressures have been, given how much voters have been complaining about, you know, just the absolute essentials, the likes of food prices, fuel prices, all of that, uh, there was a huge mood for change. And I think that came through stronger than what the polls were suggesting. Uh, So realistically, the economy is still a big beast, still going to take a lot of time to turn. uh, But on the result, I think that people have highlighted that the economy was a chief concern and they want to give someone else a go at leading it. What's going to be top of the mind for the government for making any kind of real change? this real change that they've been kind of promising for the whole campaign? I think probably two things are in greatest focus for the new incoming government. Uh, Firstly, the likes of government spending itself. They're going to want to cut back uh, on how much spending is going on. Some programmes won't continue. Some people might well be shown the door. Uh, The question is probably how many people and and how sort of big are those cuts rather than if they happen or not. Second one, of course, is tax relief. I think that is, uh, in a sense, the number one priority, but takes a bit more time to get going. Uh, likely to come in from the 1st of April 2024. So the government will be working on that so that people can sort of see those changes. That highlights that this is not going to be a quick process. Uh, In our minds, the next big uh, focus point is the mini-budget likely in December. The incoming Prime Minister reckons he'll have the House sitting up until December and then you'll have a bit of a break over summer before they get back into things. So some quick wins, some quick moves, but I don't think we're going to see wholesale change immediately. It just takes a while for the government to get going. Economist Brad Olson, some quick fire analysis of where we're at economic wise. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Saturday night saw the Green Party get their best result in more than a decade. 14 projected seats in Parliament before the specials are counted, of course. Three of those are electorate seats. But despite their growing caucus and presence in Parliament, the Greens have no path to power or prospect of signing a deal with those in power this time round. Chloe Swarbrick is with us now, Green Party MP, and for the second time in a row, Auckland Central MP. Kia ora, Chloe, and congratulations. Kia Thank you. It, it was awesome. Our election night was awesome for just how phenomenal it was to make history, not only here in Auckland Central, but also obviously in Ongatai and Willie Central. So, yeah, an awesome result for sure. Oh, let's quickly talk climate change. What is your view on the future of climate change action in New Zealand based on this national act and potentially New Zealand First Government? Look, we have to be really clear about the fact that both national and act ran throughout this campaign on reopening oil and gas drilling and Maui dolphin habitats. They've obviously expressed their sentiment when it comes to mining on conservation land. They've both released policies to continue to increase our roading network without any meaningful consideration of carbon emissions. And obviously the act party has also declared that it wants to tear up the Zero Carbon Act. These are all moves that would be disastrous to our climate change commitments, not only internationally, but domestically as well. So it is deeply concerning and something that the Greens will not allow to just slip into the night or happen lightly. You know, this campaign doesn't end here. We have made massive moves with galvanising our communities, but politics happens every single day with decisions that are made that saturate our lives. So it's more than just every three years and we'll continue mobilising around every single government and local budget to get the outcomes that our communities deserve. Chloe, in this last parliamentary term, you and Nicola Willis did join forces. A number of times, yeah. (laughs) Is there anything you can already predict where the Greens will back 
national and vice versa. We've always realised that in order to get anything done, we're going to have to work across the aisle with those who may have slightly different views than ours, whether that's with Labour or whether that's with National at times, even with the likes of the ACT Party, um, with our mates in Te Whati Māori as well. So we're really, really pragmatic about that, but we're also really clear about what our values are and the kinds of outcomes that we expect for our communities. Kia ora, Chloe. Chloe Swarbrick, two-time Auckland Central MP. Thank you so much for joining us on Usable. Thanks for having me. So before we leave you, we just wanted to get an update on the referendum which happened across the ditch where the vote to create a voice to parliament for First Nations people has failed with around 59% of people voting against the idea. Andrew McFarlane is a Kiwi correspondent based in Sydney and he's here now to korero all about this. Kia ora, Andrew. The polls had forecast this. What's the reaction been like from politicians and beyond? Yeah, g'day team. The polls were certainly painting a fairly dire picture going into the vote on, on the Saturday. It was all pointing towards a no, but I think it was a bit more surprising how resounding that no was. So as of recording, we're currently sitting at nationally 39.7% of people voting yes and an absolute walloping 60.3% of people voting no. So Anthony Albanese was understandably pretty uh, cut up about this result. He gave a press conference on the evening basically saying we're not a country of yes or no people, we're all Australians, but he's really going to have to chalk this one up to experience because for him, this was a big campaign policy, something he wanted to put forward when he tried to become Prime Minister, and really this is going to be a pretty defining moment in his career. Where to now for this, Andrew? Does it just die in a ditch, this idea of a Worcester Parliament? Well, here's what's strange about it. It could have actually been legislated without a referendum in the first place, right? Anthony Albanese could have said, Oi, we want to do this. We think this is a great idea. There was no need for a referendum. But because they were arguing to change the constitution, that's why it had to go to a public vote. And now that the whole country has said effectively, no, we don't want to formally recognise them in the constitution, I think a lot of people are feeling pretty lost in how the country moves forward from it. Andrew, what does this mean for race relations in Australia? Look, the... The attitudes and the discussions around the voice to parliament have really stirred up some pretty horrible things. I think it's really lifted a lid on a lot of things that have been surprising for many Australians. I live in a huge part of Sydney in the CBD, though, and I've realised I've been living in a bubble, right? If you look at all the, the voting stats that have come out over the last few days and things, the CBD and the metro areas have overwhelmingly voted yes. But when you go more rural and when you leave those highly densely populated parts of Australia... That's where the no votes come in. Andrew McFarlane, really appreciate your time in bringing us up to speed on what that vote all meant and means. Cheers, team. Well, I think that's more than enough for one day, don't you? Can I please have my cup of tea and a lie down now, Jess? You may. Thank you. You may. Oh, let's call it that news of all for Monday. I can't believe it's only Monday. There is going to be a massive week ahead. I'm Jessica McCarthy. And I'm Imogen Wells. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, she's tired. Oh, she's already asleep. <laughs> Newsable. News that's worth talking about. If you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting, please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz support.